Welcome back to 5050 Films. We're not dead. It's only been a couple days. I'm Peter. For them. I'm Autumn. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit, uh, we haven't recorded in like two weeks, um, so we are chaining two recording sessions together, recording tonight and then tomorrow. Because we did watch the movies, I just couldn't talk. Yes, Autumn, <laughs> Autumn couldn't talk, so we, um, and then when she could talk, she sounded really gravelly. <laughs> she sounds kind of sick now. I sound kind of sick now. Um, you know, we're just going to have to live with that, right? It's going to be what we do. Um, so, uh, our apologies. Things will be a little weird with these two episodes, um, because we can't, neither of us can separate the weeks when it comes to the media break. So we might just have one long media break today, or for this episode, and then, um, next episode we're going to do something a little different and do some recommendations, uh, during that media break time slide will be much shorter yeah um but yeah to get into it last week's movies or this week's movies if you're listening week by week my pick was ghost in the shell ghost in the shell is a 1995 adult anime neo-noir cyberpunk thriller film directed by mamoru oshi based off the manga by masamune shiro in, at the beginning of the movie, the members of Section 9, an elite counter-terrorist unit in the Japanese government, are tasked with stopping the Puppet Master, a terrorist with the ability to hack the ghosts or digital souls or consciousnesses of other members of the Japanese intelligence community. All the, all the while, they are being led on and ordered around by Section 6, a branch that deals with diplomacy and political espionage. The Major a highly modified human cyborg, is the star of the unit, utilizing thermoptic camouflage and her advanced abilities to fight the terrorists' hacked and puppeted peons. During this process, we see signs that she is beginning to question her own humanity. By the end of the movie, it is revealed that the puppet master is a sentient AI that is requesting political asylum to keep it safe from Section 6, which is trying to destroy it. After an epic action sequence with a tank mech, the Major links with the Puppet Master's brain, merging with it before his body and much of the Major's is destroyed by sniper fire, which Bato, her, uh, her uh, I, guess, I guess we would call him her like squad leader or whatever, um, deflects some of saving her life. Whew. That was the end of the description. Okay. Peter gave this 4.5? 4.5 stars. I gave this 2 stars. Yes. This movie is critically acclaimed. It is considered to be one of the first successful pieces of adult animation, uh, even. Um, it is one of the... It, it's one of the... If somebody gives you a list of, like, 5 or 10... Uh, things as like a primer to cyberpunk fiction, it'll probably be on that list. It's one of those incredibly popular sort of things, um, and it and it it was it has good ratings and was critically acclaimed at the time of it coming out. Like Ebert gave it like a three out of four, right? Um, I think it's great. It's only eighty two minutes long. First of all, you so had seen it before. right? I have seen it multiple times. Yeah, um, but we we were looking for something short. 
uh, and I saw it, and you know, part of this process is part of this like project is seeing both of us seeing new things. Part of it's also um, trying to just enrich our sort of pop culture and uh, and like repertoire of movies we've seen. Yeah. Um, so I've I've seen it a couple times. I think it's great. It's cinematically very good. Um, so I decided to show Autumn. I knew she probably wouldn't like it, like it, like I enjoy it. Um, but I was hoping she'd at least get some takeaways. Uh, unfortunately, because it's a week later, Autumn might not remember a whole lot about I was this very movie. sick. It's so funny, too, because usually with a movie like this, you would have known how I felt, like, yep. right away. And you, and you were pretty sure I didn't like yeah. it. But yeah. it was so frustrating because I could not verbalize that to you. Because I, le- I had no voice for about a week. <laughs> Yeah. So it was just, it was so frustrating. It was also kind of, kind of funny too, to, I, I wish I would have liked it because it would have been so funny to be able to surprise you with that. Yeah. I remember saying after we watched it, this movie's critically acclaimed and you gave me this side-eyed, <laughs> is it look? <laughs> like, really? Um, yeah, so this is based off of, an, of, a, off of a manga. The manga's from 1989. Um, same themes, right? Uh this is one of those films that, um, you know, it, it combines the sort of action set pieces with the sort of, like, more cerebral, like, thoughts about humanity, which is a lot of what cyberpunk is, really, at, at the center. Um, cyberpunk's very much, like, A, a critique of, like, hyper-capitalism, and B, like, a, a sort of way for the authors to create and like discuss discourse around the idea of of like the, of humankind becoming cyborgs and like the whole idea of like it's, it's like a, a some other uh, cyberpunk uh, media will refers to it as transhumanism with the idea that we've sort of it's it's like transcended um, just being standard humanity um, and we've and like w- with the idea of like humans modifying themselves with robot parts essentially like a little bit of ship of Theseus a little bit of you know, just the idea of, of what, what contains the soul, basically. Um, and then, you know, some media d- refers to, or like, deals with uh, cybernetically augmented people being second-class citizens. Some of it is, like, like this, where it's like everyone's got some sort of augmentation, right? Um, even the guy who's mostly normal in their squad, he's like a family man, he's got a little bit, um, just because you, you, you would need some to interface, right? Um so it's, it's pretty interesting kind of looking at all this stuff. Uh, and that's kind of what this movie deals with a lot is like the ideas of, of, of cyborg stuff that sort of those sort of like transhumanist like in like talking points, um, the concept of the soul, right? And it being like a consciousness inside of you, um, the, your ghost in this, right? It is because in this, your brain is basically, um, inside a like a, a metal um, casing that allows it to access the internet and stuff like that, but like what part of you is still human, and that's that's like kind of the whole like one of the whole big themes in this movie, um, and then the ideas of, of of AI sentience and and something that is completely artificially created um, gaining its own ability to, you know, uh, self. Uh, self-actualize its own stuff, right? Like, it, it, it gains its own agency, essentially. And, like, how much legal agency does it have? It has the, it, this thing's requesting political asylum, which is something that 
people can request, but like, does it have, would it, would we give a robot political asylum if it came here from another country? It's very, it's, it's a lot of like really cool thought experiment stuff that fits in with the whole sci-fi theme. Um, but also in that, like that light dystopia, right. Of like, I mean, you know, the, the, you got, everyone's got robot parts in them and like, there's, there's, you can be killed in many different ways than just shot. Like the, somebody gets hacked in the movie at one point, like it's, it's a set piece. It's not one of the main characters, but like, you know, the idea of if you're all connected to the internet, someone could burn you out from miles away at their own computer. Right. All this like really complicated arguments. Um, and I'm talking too much, but like I, I think that that's fine. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> yeah, that like this, it's like it's like super interesting that way. And I, I don't give this a five star. Um, I there are other kind of cyberpunk movies that I like more. I think and cyberpunk genre, like stuff I like more. But I, I think that a lot of the ideas behind this movie make it like it's, it's just so valuable as part of the as part of the genre. You make it sound so interesting, but my main gripe about it was that I was really bored. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, it's it's nineteen ninety five anime, right? Like, you know, we're not going to see constant action, and there there are big action set pieces and stuff like that, and it's mostly like, but even so, those are kind of slow. Like the fight with a tank at the end, it's not all out assault balls to the wall. It's the major calculating her movements and trying not to get ripped to shreds by the tanks, like auto cannons and stuff. Um, and, you know, Bato showing up. It's all very slow action. Um, and, then even, and then that's that's kind of my gripe with the movie, I think. Not that the action's slow or anything, but it it doesn't... The, the themes are a little... Not, like, bogged down, but they're just, they're just... You have to think about them more for the movie to actually take on its meaning and interest. You could just, if you just watched this movie thinking it to be an action movie, you'd be bored, right? Like, you were bored. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you, and if you, if you know, like, if you kind of have that foreknowledge going in, you might think about the stuff more. And it's really pretty. Like, it's very, it's very, it's, for 1995, like, the mix of cell shading and, and, and like, CGI animation, it's, it's very good. See, and that's what's hard is, like, watching it in 2023, we've watched so many better. yeah. So many prettier um, anime films or animated films in general. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This was another case of, like, I just did not care about the characters. Yeah. I did not care about the major at all. I thought she was so boring. Yeah. That's (laughs) the big problem. Yeah. It's like, the themes are really cool. And then you think about them, the philosophy behind the themes are really cool. Um, And there's some neat action. But at the same time, you're a very character-driven person. And we get light bits of characterization for each of these guys, but not enough to care about yeah, she just She could have been a stand-in. Like, you could have put anyone else in, yeah. in that role for her. There was nothing about her that made her particularly intriguing. And maybe that's kind of the point, you know? Like, she's, in, in, in essence, like, her with her coming to grips with her own humanity, because she's essentially all machine, I mean, she could just be, she's a drone, essentially. She's a drone that can think. Um, which, I mean, makes sense, like, it makes her, you know, she's more generic. I mean, she's kind of supposed to be. She's a robot body, a full robot body with a little bit of human brain in there. So if you think about that, I mean, that makes sense. Like, she's not, she's not, like, a protagonist, like, obvious, you know, main character protagonist, right? Like, she's just the most competent one. 
And that's not necessarily because of her. That's because of how they made her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I get that. I just don't. Yeah. And, but, but you, you know, you're more driven by people. And because she is supposed to be more of a generic, like, come, you know, like, doesn't have anything going on. That negatively impacts your enjoyment of the story because you like the nappy stuff going on, you know? There are better ways to do that, too. I don't know. Um, I wanted to ask if you've seen the live-action version as well. Yes. What did you think of that one? That was years ago. Okay. Um, I, I, so I've only ever seen the just the Ghost in the Shell movie, the, um, the first anime movie, the one we watched. Right. Right. The remaster or whatever. I have never, I didn't go and watch any of the anime afterwards. I haven't seen any of the other spinoff movies or anything like that. I've never read it. Um, so I didn't have a huge attachment to the major. Um, a lot of the problems with the Ghost in the Shell movie that people were upset about was mostly around the perceived whitewashing of um, Matoko Kusanagi um, as portrayed by Scarlett Johansson. Right. Um, I could see that. Which, I mean, yeah, I... I I watched that movie expecting it to just be bad, you know, that went saw in theaters, right? Oh, okay. Um, you know, expecting it to probably look cool, which it did. It looked cool. Um, and I think, I think for me, my favorite part about Ghost in the Shell, this is dumb. It's not all the philosophical discourse, because like I said, there's a lot of other cyberpunk stuff I like more. It's the cool interstitials between little sequences in there, right? Where the, it, it's like the... Music, um, and you see it's just like these still or like slightly animated images of the city existing. Yeah, that right? makes sense knowing you. That you Which is like just it, it. It adds that for me. That adds the the atmosphere of this. Right? Is that these people are you know the, the plot of this movie is happening, but at the same time the city is just the being the city, right? They're they're not like changing the world this is not a save the world plot it's not like a mm-hmm. anything crazy right and if if the puppet master you know succeeds or fails the city's gonna keep going it, it, it it's it's like a it's like a, that that in itself is like a cool little philosophical thing just to see the like the atmosphere of everything else like how how little what's going on with the story is affecting the the outside world i don't know i like that mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I love the atmospheric music and like the, the slow cuts through like these abandoned back alleyways or just like these, um, like sections of river or some stuff like that. I, I just thought, I think that's great. It's so cool. Um, the, uh, if I remember correctly, they do stuff like that in the live action one. There's some like pretty CG set pieces in it. Um, but I don't. I don't remember it really being anything to write home about. I think it was just kind of mediocre. Um, with because it's the same theme. It's just they just did it in live action for some reason. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it got more people to engage with the story because it was Scarlett Johansson. But I. I yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But yeah. I mean, I I I like I like this because I like everything that's cyberpunk. I have not. I have yet to read a cyberpunk story where I was like, I didn't like that at all, even the ones that make me upset, you know, because um, it's just it's it's so bleak, and so like, a lot of it's deep. There's some stuff that's not very deep, 
There's a lot of it's like deep like that. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts or? So we're gonna try and mash essentially two weeks. <laughs> oh shit. Into one media break. So things will be forgotten. I don't think anyone's that invested besides us um, for the. the my mother. Yeah. Um, but I know for a fact I did not watch any movies on my own, even when I was sick. I did. Um, I watched, uh, I watched the second Hot Wheels Acceleracers movie. The Speed of Silence is what it's titled. Awful. Absolutely awful. Um, kind of cool. It just bleak and dumb, and the name doesn't make any sense. And yeah, I, I wish they would have flop the flip flop that. <laughs> the silence of speed would make a little more sense. I don't know. The thing is, like, so apparently there's a third faction called the Silence, and that's why it's called the Speed of Silence. But they don't introduce the faction. They tease it at the very end. You see two of the cars transform into looking like the Silence cars, and it's like, why name this one the Speed of Silence? If you're going to show the silence in the last 30 seconds of the hour-long movie. Like, what's the point? <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, it was dumb. It was, you know, it's it's a Hot Wheels Acceleracers movie. They, they, they try to get a little deep in there, right? Like, you know, the one guy's afraid of water because his dad drowned when he was a kid or whatever. Like, the, it, it's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. Um, it's a 2005 Hot Wheels movie. <clears throat> so... Anything else? Any other movies? Yeah, there was one. Oh, yeah. I finally, for the first time, uh, watched all of Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Um, the second Harold and Kumar movie. We watched the first one, didn't we? We didn't. I watched it with a friend in high school. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. See, I watched the first one. I thought Shane was over at my parents' house. Maybe we... Not with me. You must not have been there, though. Yeah, I watched it with Sam in high school. Oh, interesting. Um, Escape from Guantanamo Bay, uh, it, it, it takes place literally the day they get back from, from White Castle. Like, they get back to their house, and, and, like, it's literally like the, he's taking a shower after the, after the whole White Castle adventure, and he's like, well, like, oh, we got tickets to go to Amsterdam, and then they, they, halfway across the flight to Amsterdam, um, uh, Kumar tries to, to smoke weed on the plane, and his little smokeless bong gets confused for a bomb because he's Indian. And, uh, yeah, they, they get sent to Guantanamo Bay. And uh, <clears throat> that movie's really stupid. It's got some pretty funny moments. It's got Neil Patrick Harris reprising his role as Neil Patrick Harris. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's dumb as hell. But uh, it was pretty fun. Um, watch it with the guys. Uh, yeah, that's the only movie I watched. Okay. As far as TV together, we are actually <coughs> almost done with Abbott Elementary. We just finished season two. Now that the strike's over, they're going to be working on season three, which I'm really excited for. Um, but this is my second time watching through the first two seasons of Abbott Elementary. It's it's one of my definitely top five favorite shows, maybe top three. Um, I think I need to rewatch The Mindy Project and kind of decide, because I've always said that's my favorite show, but I feel like... Superstore and Abbott Elementary are, like, really coming for that. And Superstore, like, ends so much better 
than yeah. the Mindy Project does. But what do you think of Abbott Elementary? Like, who are your favorite characters? What's your favorite, like, part of it? Um, <sighs> I, I want to know what you think. I don't know. Um, I like Mr. Johnson a yeah, lot. Yeah, he's the best. You, know, you, you At the beginning, you said... Time for Mr. Johnson to become your favorite character. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> um, I, I, he's, he's good. He's funny. Um, he's the, the custodian. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I like Melissa Shimenti a lot. Um, I don't know if I could really... I don't know if I have any other, like, standouts, you know? Mm-hmm. The interactions between the cast are funny. It's a yeah, good show. Yeah, that's the best part. It's a fun show. Yeah, they're all so different. It's set in, in Philadelphia... Um, and I, I've probably said this before when I, cause I think I watched it on my own after we had already started podcasting. So I think I mentioned this at some point, but Quinta Brunson, who created the show and stars in it, her mom worked for Philadelphia public schools and she grew up in Philly and is a product of Philly public schools. And so she just like knows, you know, what it's like to work in, in inner city public schools. Um, and it really like this show highlights like the best parts of all of that, which I feel like we don't get a lot of. Like, there are so many school shows that, like, show, like, the the, the bullying and the school shootings and, like, all the, all the tough, like, really hard stuff. And this show is just such a light. And it, like, just shows hardworking people who really love the kids that they work with and do their best by them and, you know, are trying to make it work with very few funds and I don't, I don't know. It's a very heartwarming show. It makes me feel really happy whenever I watch it. I'm glad that you're liking it, too. Um, as far as separately, I watched Dancing with the Stars, of course. Um, I can't remember which episodes. I can't remember what last week was. Last week was... Um, Halloween. Music video night. Music video night. And um, Paula Abdul was the guest judge. Mm-hmm. This upcoming week is going to be Whitney Houston night, and then the week after that is Taylor Swift night, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I guess there's been a lot of uh, mixed reviews about that online. People being like, I'm not going to watch. But I don't understand. This is just a little side rant. If you like Dancing with the Stars, I would never skip an episode because I didn't like the theme. Because then you miss, like, who gets kicked out or who gets, like, who cares about the theme? It's about the actual dances. Like, it's it's Whitney Houston night coming up, and I think I know one... No, I know more than one Whitney Houston song, but I, I like don't listen to Whitney Houston, you know, in my own time. And I never would consider, like, not watching that episode. Um, and, and, yeah, then there was Halloween as well, which I think is when I was sick. So, <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying that. I was I was actually very upset this past episode. I don't want to spoil things in case people aren't caught up. But who got kicked off the show did not make any sense. And I don't... Dancing with the Stars, it's a mix of the judges' scores and people's votes from home. And I yeah. don't agree with the way that they weigh that. Like, I, I, I get the appeal of, like, wanting people to vote from home. I love being able to just, like, interact with the show in that way. Although, I will say, I wouldn't care, personally, if that was not an aspect of it. I'd still want to watch it. Um, but the votes are too heavily weighed. Because there is <laughs> Harry Jowsey... <laughs> He, he had a pretty good um, group dance last week, but his main one was still not good. Like, he just, in comparison to all the other contestants, is not that good. And it just is, like, infuriating because since he is, like, a TikTok and reality TV and star, like, so many younger people know him and are voting for him every single time. He has been 
the worst dancer statistically on the scoreboards every single week, but he has never once even been up to be kicked off. So it just is, ugh, that, that annoys me. And now it's starting to like make it so that people who really do deserve to be there are getting kicked off because he's getting so many votes. But anyway, um, the other thing is I tried, I, I tried to watch Love is Blind season five when I was sick. I started it and it was so awful. And you know, like, Peter doesn't like Love is Blind. We watched season two together, and he did not enjoy it. I um, tend to like it. It's been, like, hit or miss every couple seasons. Like, the first season was really good, and I will always stand by. The first season was so good because nobody was on there to get famous. They were just like, oh, this is a cool experience. I don't even know if the show will ever air, but, like, let's try it, you know? Um, the second season was not that good. The third season, if I remember, was also kind of iffy. The fourth season, I thought was really good. This fifth season was... I, I didn't even make it out of the pods. Like, they're in the pods, and then the people who get proposed to go on a honeymoon, and then they, like, go live in apartments, and then there's the weddings. I didn't even make it out of the pods. Like, I just did not want to listen to any of these people talk. So instead, <coughs> I just got online and spoiled everything for myself, and man, did I save myself some time. So, yeah. What have you been watching for TV? <clears throat> oh. Um, I've been continuing watching Overtake and MF Ghost and Shangri-La Frontier with the guys. Um, I'm still watching Chernobyl. We have like two episodes left, I think. Um, I'm watching, uh, well, we'll see. <coughs> Lupin with, uh, with, with Jordan. But, uh, which is a rewatch for the first two seasons for me. Um, but we'll see if I can continue doing that because Netflix has started to the password crackdown thing. And, um, we were, we were, you know, on our, my parents' Netflix still. So, really annoying that, uh, that we, we couldn't watch it on our TV. It still works on my phone. And I think it still works on my desktop. So, I'm gonna keep doing that until I can't. Um, but... I gotta catch up on some shows because like there are like two shows I've been like ah, I gotta I got I've been putting off finish or you know watching the recent season and I gotta do it. Um, watched the first episode of Invincible season two uh, with Jordan. Love that show. Love it. I love Invincible. It's excellent, fantastic cartoon. If you're interested, um, like like truly fantastic. Like watch the whole first episode and just like oh. Um, when you think the credits are coming on, continue watching until it's, like, definitely the credits. Oh, it's fantastic. I, yeah. I can't, I can't stress how good Invincible is. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm not really, I don't, I think that's about it. Like, we, we're not really doing too much else. I've been reading a lot. While I was sick, I finished Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo, finally. I am so sad about this book. This was my most anticipated new release for the year. Um, it is a generational story about women, which is something I really love. Magical realism, which is something that I really love. It sounded like uh, The Inheritance of Orcadia Divina vibes, which is a book that I gave five stars. That's by Zoraida Cordova. Um, and I've loved everything Elizabeth Acevedo has put out in the past. This was her adult debut, and I gave it two stars. I was... It was so confusing to keep all of the characters straight. I know I talked about this in, in the last episode, but it's just every single chapter I had to continuously turn back to the character list 
at the very top of the or at the very front of the book because it's all about how they're related to each other so you have one character it's like okay she's got her mom and her grandma but then if the next chapter is the mom then the mom is a different character because now she's the daughter and it just it was really hard to keep up with um and my my main complaint about it is I think if any of those storylines had been taken and made into a book themselves and fully fleshed out I think I would have loved that book but she was trying to do too many things at once and it just there wasn't enough detail I could not get invested in in anyone enough to like really care about them or their story um so I'm I'm really disappointed I I like really expected to love that book and it was the worst feeling and it took me forever to read um because then even like when I was sick I expected to just kind of plow through a bunch of books because I couldn't really do anything else um but really it just took me almost the whole time I was sick and off work to finish that book um which is a bummer I did finish my audiobook, though, for Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross, which I gave 4.5 stars, so that was a little bit better. Um, this was the one about, bit. yeah, <laughs> about um, war correspondents and journalists in this, like, war with the gods. It's a, it's a love story. Um, it ended really well, but, like, with a big cliffhanger, so the, the sequel to that comes out at the end of the year. I'm excited to read it, but I'm hoping to get that on audiobook as well um because i know book of the month did versions of divine rivals and to be honest and this is stupid okay the book of the month cover the original cover i don't like i don't think it's appealing at all it didn't make me interested in the story at all but then they came out with like a new paperback cover yeah and it it gives now that i've read the story i can confidently <coughs> say it gives the feel and the vibes of the story so much better um, then that original, the original cover is just like nothing like what the story feels like. No. Um, and so I, I like don't even want the book of the month versions. I just want to keep listening on audio and then, um, using, using those covers for my book reviews. Cause I, I just feel like they fit the story so much better. Um, and I, I don't care what people say. Like covers are very important. Yeah. Um, especially like I'm, I read over, over 65 books every single year, like, I'm, I'm going to be picky about things. Um, but I would, I would like to listen to that, uh, the sequel on audio. And then right now I'm listening to a, a book for my children's literature class. Um, it's called Temple Alley Summer. And it is so interesting. I was telling Peter on our walk today that I could see myself giving this five stars. And my rule for middle grade is like, I only rate it if it's going to be a four or five star, because basically all middle grade feels like a three star to me, um, because I'm not a middle grade audience. And so for that reason, I will just not rate at all. Cause I don't want to skew overall ratings and things like that. I'm just like not the ideal audience for middle grade. Um, but it's conservative of you to, to not want to mess with everybody's ratings because you're not the audience, the target audience. It just feels, and it, it's a personal thing too, cause it just feels weird to rate it. And then at the end of the year, like, try to pick my favorites and stuff and then see that I like have all these three stars. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's about this kid. He finds out that his grandfather was hiding this like statuette that if you prayed to it, um, about a member of your family that had died, they will come back, but they will live with a different family and they won't remember anything of their old life, but they'll like look exactly the same and they'll come back like as 
as they were when they died. So, like, he's kind of following this little girl character who was sick in the hospital and died as a little girl and now has come back as a little girl. And she has, like, this invisible mother that everyone can see except for him because he knows about the temple. And so it just... It, it's so interesting. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to talk about that more once I finish it. I'm very glad that I have to read it for school. Um, and then physically, I'm reading One True Loves by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is a book I never, ever thought that I would read. But I am reading it for my virtual book club, which is actually a week from today. So I really need to finish that up. It is about a woman who um, her husband dies in a helicopter crash um, on their one year anniversary wedding anniversary and um then years years later she's engaged to another guy and gets a phone call that her husband did not die and he's back and he's coming home and then essentially she has to like kind of figure out like who she wants to be with and I find that very stressful so I was not going to read it but now I am and after I finish it re finish reading it I might have Peter and I watch the movie because Simu Liu's in it and I love that man against my will <laughs> Alright, go ahead and talk about your books <clears throat> So, I I'm not quite sure what I talked about two weeks ago um, I know I talked about Did I talk about finishing Anna Karenina? Yes. Oh yeah <laughs> Alright, hated that book Chained that right into Master and Commander um, Which I pulled out my little uh, booklet For my fiction challenge this year Which is, of course, as a reminder To finish every book that I owned at the beginning of the year and during parts of the middle of the year until I stopped counting new books, which honestly there's only two books and then the ones I stopped counting, so there's a chance that I do finish those this year. Who knows? Huh? If I sound odd, it's because I have a cough drop in. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I have... Um, I finished, so Master Commander was fantastic. Um, very, very well done. Uh... There was a quote on the back of the book, and I don't have it with me, so I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, that was something like, Patrick O'Brien makes the dust of history come alive, or something like that. It, it's, it, it is very much like, it sounds like it's, it's definitely a compliment, and it doesn't sound backhanded, but it also doesn't necessarily sound like a compliment. Right, like the the dusts of history, <laughs> like, uh, and, and it's true. If if Patrick O'Brien didn't write this book and someone else wrote this book, they probably wouldn't boring as shit, because basically he goes into incredibly technical descriptions of sales and stuff, and like which sales they're pulling down and which they're pulling up, and the studding sales and the top gallon sales, shit that I didn't know before I started, you know, watching or reading this, um, and like. Somehow, I wasn't bored at any point. To be fair, I was already kind of, you know, primed to not be bored. Because I do have a bit of a background in 17th century sailing. Although this is 18th century sailing. And some 19th century sailing. Um, that doesn't really matter. Um, but, like, because it's, it's the Napoleonic Wars, right? So it's England versus France and Spain's just about to get into it, I think. Um, and uh, Jack Aubrey um, has just recently gotten command of a, of a brig called the Sophie. Um, and his friend that he meets at the first chapter, uh, a doctor named Stephen Maturin, um, is, becomes his surgeon. 
right? He finds out he's a surgeon. He's like, okay, uh, can you be my ship surgeon? And, this guy, and Matron's like, I suppose. Uh, so they, they, they link up together. Um, it's good. It's, it's just really good. It's really good. And it's mostly because O'Brien makes the characters so colorful and so, like, lively. Um, Maturin is, like, a... A little bit of, a, like, a, like, a prude. He's, he's, he's part of the Irish Revolutionary Movement, or he was at one point part of the Irish Revolutionary Movement. Jack Aubrey does not know that. Um, and, like, and he's a, he's a, he's a learned scholar, a natural philosopher, right? Um, and he is essentially, like, you know, he's, he's a smart guy. And Jack Aubrey is a very learned guy about ships. Um, and, and, you know, he, he's, he's very boisterous. Um, he's a likable character. He's not a perfect character. And I think that's kind of the point, right? Like, we haven't, we haven't made this ideal hero. We've made this sort of people's hero kind of guy, right? And it's, it's, so, it's, it's so well done. And it's so good. And I'm excited to keep reading it. Um, to keep reading the series, which I'll do next year. Um, I know that the third book is cut is titled the HMS Surprise, which is the name of the book or the name of the ship that he's on in the movie that I watched with Paul. So that's like his main ship is the Surprise. Um, so I'm waiting for that. I had to wait for two more books for him to get that get that ship get that commission, which is frustrating. But it, great great book. Um, and then I read the Thursday Murder Club that my mom gave me for Christmas or my birthday or something like last year or something like that. Um, written by, oh God. Richard Osmond. Richard Osmond. And you read it in like a couple hours, didn't you? Yeah, I read it. I finished <laughs> Master and Commander and then started reading Thursday Murder Club and finished it before we closed. Um, so I chained those together in the same day. Um, Richard Osmond is very funny. He's a, he's a British panelist, panel show host. Um, and he occasionally appears on him. He's a comedian. Um, and he hosts a lot of, like, uh, smart shows. Um, and yeah, uh, he, he's, he's great. Uh, it, it, that whole story is about a bunch of geriatric, you know, like, septua octogenarians, uh, who've, who have, in their free time at the retirement village, um, have decided to solve cold cases, and then a hot case is dropped on their lap, basically, um, when the developer who owns their retirement cottage is found, or his his uh, his um, mechanic is found dead, like the the contractor is found dead in his house, he dies, um, and it's it's them and the police kind of joint solving this. The police very reluctantly, the uh, these <laughs> the Thursday Murder Club very excitedly, you know, assisting and kind of beating the police to some conclusions. Um, and it was really, it was really funny. It was, it was cute a little bit, you know, it was, it was just good. It was fun. Um, and fast, you know, written very, very well. And then I chained, well, I didn't chain this one, but, um, I had a couple days off, didn't really read anything, got back to work on Wednesday, started the Stormlight Archive, The Way of Kings is the first book by Brandon Sanderson. Um, got, you know, started reading that, got so into it at work that I took it home, read more at home, took it to work, read more at work, then I just kept, I just finished it like two, like three hours ago, um, for, finished the first book, immediately started the second book, because I have two of the Stormlight Archive books 
in this challenge because they're both on the shelf, so they have to be read. Oh, I mean, the fact that it was so good that I took it home from work to continue reading it at home is like damning evidence that I'm going to be like impatiently waiting for the next one of these books to come out. There's four out right now. The fifth one's supposed to come out next year, I think. Um, and it's supposed to be the end of the first half of the series. It's supposed to be a 10-book series. Autumn really, Autumn got both of these for me. And she really wrote me in for the long haul, I guess. That was four or five years ago. You <laughs> yeah, can't blame uh, me for past Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's now, and, and now I, figure, I find out that these 10 books are part of a bigger meta-universe that he's created with the Cosmere like, universe. So now there's, and there's probably like 40 books total in all of these books by the end of this. So now i got to go and read Mistborn and Elantris and a couple other series that he's done. And his little side projects that are within the Cosmere. And it's like, ah! This is... I mean, the man writes like a maniac, a fiend. I don't know how you he does it. Tell them the the, um, the the dedication in the second book. Oh, yeah. It was, it was for his son, Oliver. It was to Oliver Sanderson, who was born when I started writing this book. He was born halfway. He was born, through. or was he born halfway through? Yeah. Born halfway through writing this book and could walk by the time I finished it. Yeah. Um, like I don't, I don't know how he, how he writes. I feel like he probably like bursts on different books and then like switches to other ones. There's no way he could put out as many books as he does. Um, without a like, and he doesn't have a ghostwriter. I don't. There's no one who writes nope. with him. He's not James Patterson, you know, yeah. who has somebody else Good. help him for like so that. many books. Um, but like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like, I, I am a relatively accomplished home DM for Dungeons and Dragons, and I couldn't come up with this shit, right? And I, and I, I feel like I do a pretty good job. <laughs> like, this is, what, this is nuts. It's nuts. It's awesome. It's so good. I would have started reading them earlier if someone had told me there was magical power armor in it, because there is. And, I, I mean, like, they're just, it's just awesome. And now I'm reading, I just chained into the second one. So I just started that one, which is called The Words of Radiance. Oh. <sighs> That's, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to be, like, lost in those for two books, and then I got then I have six more books to finish out the year. Six more books, and I think six weeks, roughly. Oh, my gosh. So, I can, and, you know, if I finished, I, they'll be done sooner than that, right? I'm not a book-a-week kind of guy. I did grad school. It was three books a, a week. You know, and those weren't fun. These are fun. Um, so I'll be taking them to work and stuff. And, and uh, I mean, I only really have two books outside of those that I didn't add to the challenge that I bought, you know, outside of it. I might just add those in if I run out of books by the end of the year. You know, I'm just going to be like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'll read these two. Right. You want to <sighs> talk about any games before we close out the media break? Yes, I finished Baldur's Gate 3. It's done. And we immediately started another run. But I'm taking a couple days off. I can't I can't continue playing that this week, at least. Um, we're doing an evil run now, so we're just going to kill everybody. Oh, oh that's gonna, what you call gonna, it. We're going to see what happens to the game when we kill everyone, because they, 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 the developers accounted for that. Oh, okay. Um... Man, I, that game was good, the game itself, mechanically, 
I mean, aside from the parts that were clearly glitched broken, um, very fun. Excellent, you know, super cool 5B primer for a lot of people, I'm sure. You know, I mean, like, great. Excellent game. Uh, by the end, I had some issues with the Dungeon Master, essentially. Um, there are, like, and, and that's because I, that's all I do when we play D&D is I'm the guy who makes the story run. Um, so I got, I was getting a little, like, I was a little like, really? Is that, that's the, that's the choice we've made narratively for this? Um, but I'd still give the game very high, a very high score just because of how fun it was to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was great. And I'm not really, I'm not really dedicated into anything else right now. I've been kind of flitting around between, uh, shooters essentially just to kind of like little mind numbing patches of gameplay. Um, but I'm, I'm more into the book right now to, to like be able to play anything. I can't really do stuff at night cause I'm just reading the books. So your um, your synopsis for Ghost in the Shell was very long and in depth, and this is going to be real short because I I had no idea what to say about this movie. Um, Old Dads is a 2023 comedy film starring Bill Burr, Bobby Cannavale, and Bokeem Woodbine as dads in their 50s with young wives and young children. Throughout the movie, they have to face selling their company and their new millennial CEO, competitive preschool programs, groveling for a recommendation letter to an even better kindergarten, and electric scooters. And that's this movie in a nutshell. Yes, this movie could easily be any of Bill Burr's comedy sets where he just bitches about how the younger generation does things and, like, gets angry about it. Um, I, I like Bill Burr. Um, I like Bill Burr, like, I don't know. I like him much in the same way I like Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura, right? They're funny. Actually, I like Tom Segura more than I like either of these guys, either other two. But, like, they're funny, um, and some of their bits are good, right? But, like, Burt and Bill are kind of, like, too, like, during a stand, I can't watch a stand-up, you know? We've watched some Burt Kreischer stand-ups, and they're kind of funny sometimes. But for the most part, Burt Kreischer, like, kind of just dunks on his wife and kids a little bit. It's a like yeah. part of his thing. Um, and, like, Bill Burr will just constantly bitch about the younger generation, about, like, you know, how, how you know, it was, it was better when nobody gave a shit, you know? And it's like, I get it, Bill. He, he's, he's a great personality when he's on, like, Conan right because mm -hmm. they'll just like riff off each other and that's so funny he's got a lot of skill right he's a very skilled comedian but i just i don't like his i don't i'm not a yeah. huge fan of his material yeah. i wouldn't like like your dad really likes bill burr does he i think so i don't know I've, that. I, he played some at the when we were on vacation oh okay. yeah it was some bill burr stuff um my dad loves bill burr i knew your dad did yeah uh because i mean they're funny they're they are funny like and they're and they're quick. They have a quick wit. But it, yeah, it's like the the content of his specials is usually just him complaining, which I, I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, that's know? not funny to me. I, I want I want I'm okay with there being complaints in comedy because I understand that that's where a lot of really good comedic material comes from is observational stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but for him, it does seem a little more like bitching than it does about than just like you know observational comedy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I gave this three stars. Peter yeah. gave it two point five. Yes. 
I just wanted to, to say that. Did you have another point you were trying to make? Not really. About okay. his comedy, no. I'm, okay. Yeah. What do, you, what do you want to say about this one? I mean, if you if you look up this movie, uh-huh. what most people are, are doing is, is complaining about, about Bill Burr kind of like targeting millennials, quote unquote, in this movie. But I have to say, one thing that I liked about it was that by the end, it, it kind of felt like he was poking fun at all the generations. Like, not just, like, he kind of starts out as this, like, millennial-hating dude, you know? But then he, he, like, rides the electric scooter to the hospital, and he, like, learns, like, okay, maybe, maybe they're kind of on to something in, in some ways, and we can kind of learn from each other, um, which is kind of how I saw it at the end. You look like you don't agree with me. I think that that, that bit... Wow, I, I get what you're saying, and we talked about it yeah. know, when we watched it. I think that that, the more I think about it, might have just been him um, doing that to mitigate some people mm. saying, this is just you bitching about millennials again. Like, you've made a whole movie about complaining about how people are more sensitive now and all this other stuff. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it, that might have been strategic. The more the more the longer, so, you know, right out of the movie, I was like, yeah, you know, it was, you know, he he did, but at the same time, like at the very end of the movie, just the very end of the movie, you know. Yeah, fair enough. There there are some some critiques that I I find were worthwhile though, like particularly when it comes to his his son's preschool program, and and the education, the woman who's running this like oh, private, yeah. you know, I. I, I don't know. I, I'm a huge proponent for public education, so yes. I might be the wrong person to, like, be viewing that. Um, but but then there are other things, for sure, that I was just like, okay, dude. Like, the company that takes over him, they're, I forget what he says, so they're, like, carbon neutral, something neutral, something neutral, something neutral. I, I don't know. It's hard to talk about this movie, because honestly, it's not that memorable, no, um, it wasn't a great movie. Like a great movie, you know. It was. It was. It's just very forgettable. Yeah. And I didn't. I. I personally am not someone who finds like making fun of other people funny in in comedy. Like there's this whole they end up getting fired because they're videotaped in the rental car because they're selling their information. Which, by the way, all the like selling of information was another critique he made that I was kind of like, okay, that's fair. Like, it's justified to kind of talk about that. Um, but they're, like, saying all these horrible things about, like, you know, women and other... And I don't know. That's never been funny to me. Not even in, like, a, like, sarcastic or satiric kind of way. I just, like, don't don't find, like, pointing out a group of people, like, all that funny. Which is maybe why I don't find his stand-up comedy funny is because he does kind of just target, like, the younger generation. And I think whether I was part of that or not... It would still bother me. Like, if, if it was the opposite and he was a very young comedian and his whole thing was, like, about boomers, I wouldn't find that funny either. <coughs> yeah. Because I just don't find, like, targeting a specific group of people to be funny in in any way. Yeah. I think that self-deprecating stuff can be good, but, like, when you're punching down or punching wherever, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it's not, it's, it, it, it's less funny and more like, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at least he's targeting generations and he's not, like, Fucking Chappelle, who just like honest, honestly just digs trans people the entire time. Yeah. Now. I don't know what happened to that man. Um, 
he lived in Ohio for too long. Is what I've been is what I've been hearing. Uh, you know, he got <laughs> he got paid out by the industry when they when they like they screwed him over real bad with his TV show, and then took his millions and just lived in Ohio for too long. Is is what I've heard. <laughs> as his like as like that's that's what happened to Chappelle, <laughs> um, because like you know hit you know Ernie Chappelle, very funny. Mm-hmm. Any Netflix Chappelle special has just been dog shit to the point where I won't listen to any of them anymore. I won't want to watch them. I, I, I don't think they're funny. I don't think he's funny anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that... I don't know. I don't know. He he just seems way more phobic than anything. And I, I, I have not heard a funny joke from the man um, in years. Yeah. Which is very sad because his old... His, his TV show had some funny shit. <laughs> like his character, the character work he did in that mm-hmm. show, super funny. Like, oh my god, Ugh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting take to like be poking fun of the younger generation, while also the whole concept of this movie is that these men are married to the younger generation. It's like, what does that really say about you? <laughs> you know. Um, and and I did like kind of how they spread it out. So like Bill Burr's character Jack. And Bobby Cannavale's uh, character, Connor, are both married for the first time to younger women. And they were just kind of, like, later in life. And then Bokeem Wood... Uh, what is it? Woodburn? Yeah, I think. Um, his his character is divorced and, like, has older children. And he is has this young girlfriend. She doesn't want to have kids. She doesn't want to get married. And then they get pregnant. And she does all of a sudden. And so that's kind of, like, his big plot line. Um I don't know. I think what annoyed me most about this movie was um, Connor and his wife's child and Connor's wife's parenting. Because that kid literally punches Jack's wife's pregnant stomach and his mom gets upset that she would yell at him. for. for Don't yell at my child. Did you not see? You were standing right there and stared at him when he did it. Yeah. God, that, that lady was unredeemable yeah i every time she was on the screen i just like wanted to fast forward to the next part because she was hard to watch for sure and there there are parents like that which you know again like maybe maybe a fair critique and you see like her son is not well behaved at all because no no one ever like corrects him on anything and that's like she's not even like 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 gentle parenting is a thing where you, like, explain to your kids why what they're doing is wrong and that sort of thing. Like, she's not even doing that. It's just like, oh, you're just perfect sort of thing. Just unhealthy. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. There's not a lot to say about this movie. I, I personally don't think I would recommend it. I didn't... I wasn't hating myself while I was watching it. Like, I was entertained enough. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of feel like it was sort of a waste of time yeah and i also kind of feel like it was definitely a waste of our last movie on netflix before we lost our <laughs> yeah because we would have watched role models next which has so many so many actors in it that you like it has ken jong it has joe latroglio it has so many actors i'm so pissed that the tv was like you're, you're not at your household what are you doing they're gonna they're gonna get so they're gonna lose so much money they are, and I think they're trying to do this to to get more money, and what it's going to end up is, like, oh. us, our, we've already kind of talked about it. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're only going to get Netflix during Oscar season. Yep. Because we, honestly, we primarily watch Hulu anyway. Yeah. And that's the one we were already paying for. I, so. I, I'm, I will continue to be okay with just watching 
I mean, like, it, honestly, it's up to my mom if she wants to continue getting Netflix or not, right? But, like, I'm cool with still, with still like, watching stuff on my phone and stuff like that. Like, if, 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 it, if it ever, if they, if they actually block the desktop and the phone, I don't think, the, we, will, we will have Netflix for one month out of the year. Yeah, just like we will get, year. like, Oscar TV, or uh, Oscar TV, Apple TV, or, or YouTube yeah live or whatever yeah the youtube live like two-day free trial just to watch the oscar you know it will be like that like i used to do that with hulu right like when i was in college i would not pay for hulu for like longer than like two months you know i get like the free month and like binge a show or something like that and then maybe pay for another month on top of that and then be like i can't continue like i'll just be more on top of it you and know? that's what's so fresh. It's just, like, not economical. And we watch a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, that's that's why those podcasts exist. Like, we, we like to watch yep. things, but it just is, like, I, I'm not going to, like, throw our money out the window. When we, I, I prefer Hulu anyway. All my favorite shows are on Hulu. Yeah. So. Hulu has better, I mean, like I said, there's a couple Netflix shows that I really like. I really like Lupin, and I really like uh, Sex Education. Mm-hmm. And, like, those two have new seasons out right now that I need to binge. Before we lose it on our other devices, because um, I, I don't you know, for movies I'd rather pay three dollars to stream it on, on uh, Amazon Prime or whatever. Yeah, to, me too. You know, it's so stupid, like so so dumb of them. Anyway, um, yeah, it, this movie definitely a sad last Netflix movie. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Oh well. So. This episode's coming out on a Monday, so that we can put out our next episode on a Wednesday and yes. get back to our usual schedule. So we already watched Peter's movie um, for this upcoming week. If you want to keep an eye on what we've been watching, you can check out our Instagram. It's 5050filmspodcast. Um, we're getting close to the end of the year, and I always love doing our big end of the year wrap-up episode, so yeah. I'm excited for that coming up. Um.